So we're about to go live, boys. Just wait, I gotta hit start broadcast. Okay, then go live. We're live, guys. We're pretty much live somewhere at some point. So, <laughs> all right, awesome. <laughs> we're out there in the ether. Yes, we are. We're doing a simultaneous broadcast on YouTube and Facebook, so we'll see how this goes. Yeah, how's everyone doing? How, how, Craig, Doug, how you guys doing? Good. It always is awesome to sit here and chat with you guys. And I know, um, you know, last time we had a lot of fun, but it feels like it's been a while. So I'm, I'm glad to be back in the chair with you too. Me too. I was going to say that too. It, it does feel like it's been a while since our last broadcast, but it was just a month ago, wasn't it? It's about every four weeks that we do this. Yeah. I wonder if anyone's getting sick of us yet. Probably. Now, based on the turnout for the um, the listener vote, was this the most votes that we've ever had cast? Absolutely. We had about 270 votes for the Facebook poll, and we had about 60 votes for Twitter. So that's 320 people chimed in. And How many are watching right now? <laughs> well, <laughs> well the, it, whether they're watching or they're listening, the edited version, thank you. And uh, I got to say, I had no idea that it would be the smackdown that it was. It was like a bull Hurley type dominance of that over the top win. I mean, it's it was amazing. It, it really surprised me. It surprised me, too, and it upset me a little bit. Uh, let me just be, uh, keep talking, you guys, about the uh, poll. I'm just going to grab my paperwork again. I forgot it. Just one sec. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say it was such a bad beating. I can't even remember what movie it was up against. <laughs> no, goodness. It was it was an even match in terms of quality. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think because we already did lock up, so it wouldn't have been up against lock up. It would. It's so funny that we don't even know. What was the question? Yeah. It, no, it what was, was uh, the other movie that was, it was cl- voted on. It was cliffhanger, but oh, right. um, it was like such a a massacre. I mean, well, and cliffhanger is held in such high regard with the fandom that yeah. it really. I I don't know if the cliffhanger people were just hibernating and they hadn't woken up for spring yet. I just think people really want to see this one. Okay, so I have a theory. We used to do three movies, and I f- and Facebook doesn't allow you to vote for uh, more than two movies, like or two polls. For whatever reason, their algorithm only allows for two choices. So you and I and all three of us talked about how we should just give the uh, listeners two choices, and they can vote on two choices. And that's why a lot more people voted with just two. I find people were finding it easier to vote for two anyways. So that being said, we said we can't put a dumpster fire movie next to a good movie, right? So here's a bit of a spoiler alert. It's been over 30 years since I've seen this movie. I saw it when it first came out in 1987. I have not seen it since. And that's the true story. Wow. I just never rewatched it. I just have never seen it again. Now, had I known what I know now, I know why people want us, us to talk about over the top. This movie's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to call it a garbage fire. Well, it is. Go so ahead. We did inadvertently put a garbage fire up against the good movie. Yes, Cliffhanger is not a dumpster fire. It's one of his best action movies ever. I mean, it's an incredible, great, fun movie. There's just nothing that bad about Cliffhanger. So I think people who voted for Over the Top, they can't be serious. You, okay, guys, do you like this film? And if so, are you saying it just to goad me? Or do you truly like this film? This is probably the the lone film that I've seen most outside of Rocky. What? Yeah, I've seen this a lot over the years. And I loved it as a kid. And I'll tell you what, if I didn't like it beforehand, like most, most of the other Stallone movies that we've reviewed, me seeing it either for the first time or for the first time since I saw it for the first time covering this, I would have hated this. 
because there is so much to pick apart about it. But I loved every second of it when I was rewatching it. I probably saw this honestly like six months ago. Like what? that recently. On I've your, seen it a lot over the years. So on your I, own accord, you said I'm putting this movie in. Yeah, I like this movie, man. I think one thing you can say, Ryan, is it's a good bad movie. Yeah. You know, and it's not a bad, bad movie. It's a good, bad movie. It's well made. I mean, we'll get into that when we get into it. And forgive me, my my wife's about to take the dogs out, so I think it's saying my wife's about to take a dump. I'm like, holy smoke. (laughs) (laughs) But um Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into what you like and what you don't like. I hadn't seen this since 2014 when we watched it for um, an early episode of the Slycast. I was surprised at how early in the run it was. I mean, I watched it again in in advance of this broadcast. I don't think my feelings have really changed. It's still a movie I like, but I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it again like Doug. (laughs) I don't know what it is about it, man. Well, you're going to have to defend yourself, and that's fine. It's good to have different voices when it comes to this yeah, that, that's listen, fine i'm i'm gonna rip it apart because there's plenty of things to rip apart about this all in all i like it it's a campy movie for sure but it's it, just so stupid it's good is there something we need to sort of establish before we we get into it because i listened back to our slycast discussion mainly so i didn't contradict myself <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> but also just to see where my head was at with that movie when I watched it five years ago. And I wonder if in advance you guys wanted to sort of talk about when that movie was filmed and when it took place, because a lot of the behavior in it is not acceptable in 2019 or things wouldn't have been easy for Michael to do in 2019. So do we want to sort of address that as it's happening or just sort of as we go through the plot of the film, go ahead and say, this is ridiculous. We're applicable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, let's, first, let's do our specs of the film. Any uh, Anyone remember how much the film cost to make? What, $22 million or something? And 12 of that went to Sly? Yeah. Yes. I, I got 25 Off of Wikipedia, it said $25 million, I think. It was 20 I believe it is $20. Yeah, $25 million, You're right. So $25 million in today's money. This was an easy easy one to convert because I like to do today's money because you hear $25 million, you think, well, that's – well, it is. It's still fairly inexpensive. But you just mm-hmm. double it from 87 to today. It's just an easy double. So if this movie was made today, it would have cost a $50 million movie. And Sly would have been paid $24 million to star in this film. <laughs> now, do you guys think where Sly was in his career was part of what led to the poor performance of this movie? Because directly prior to this, his, the, the prior theatrical release was Cobra which was a hard R-rated movie. And then he turns around and he does this sort of family-friendly pro-wrestling version of arm wrestling movie. I'm sure that has something to do with it. He did say right here, he, he was first offered this film by the Canon Film Company, and he turned it down, and rightfully so, he should have, but everyone has a price. And I guess $24 million in today's price is what he said, fine, I'll do it. And Stallone mm-hmm. said he did it because he didn't think anyone would see it. The director wanted him because he was, I think, the producer. Well, that's Manahan right? Gold, who was, you know, from Golden Globus. Yeah. And no one did see it in the theaters. That's the thing. I wanted to get to that. So Stallone was right. At the time, no one did see this. It, it would have made today, in today's box office, $32 million. That is horrible. That's a horrible yeah. box office. The, the other weird thing about this is you've got Kenny Loggins on the soundtrack, which that dude was like, he owned soundtracks in the 1980s. That was a pretty big song, if I remember where I was in 1987. I mean, it was a song you heard on the radio, at least. Meet Me Halfway? Yeah. No! 
It's been in my head for two goddamn days, by the way. <laughs> you deserve it. In the middle of the night singing it. <laughs> you deserve it, it Doug. It, it's more a result of where Stallone's fan base was at the time than anything else, right? I mean, Cobra was a moderate success. Yeah, actually, no, it did very well. I remember we haven't covered Cobra yet on this podcast. I really wish we were today. But be, uh, when we do, it'll be the third time I talk about Cobra on a podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, you also got to think of what it was going up against in the theaters, too, which I don't have right now. Mm. But that also could play a part into why this I'm on it, Doug. Poorly. It says here that Stallone was reportedly unhappy with the final film. In an interview with Ain't It Cool News, he said that if he had directed the film, he would have changed the setting to an urban environment, used scored music instead of rock songs, and made the Las Vegas finale more ominous. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, I guess the uh, the finale was too too much of a a celebration. I guess like too campy. I use the word campy again, but I, I don't know what else, what other word to use for it. Did you read that the original screenwriter was brought to tears over how <laughs> how bad it was? <laughs> he was apparently appalled at the changes that that were made to his script. That's hilarious. It's well, a, well deserved said, yeah, tears. Well deserved tears. Yeah. It opened on President's Day weekend of 1987, so it, they had an extra day um, oh. of movie going for the box office. So you want to know what else was in the top five for that weekend? That. What's that? So number one in its ninth week of release, Platoon mm, was oh. number one, and I assume that's got to be right around when Platoon, you know, won the Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, in second place was Outrageous Fortune. <laughs> Sure. Third was Mannequin in its first week of release. Oh, man. And then Over the Top in its first week of release took fourth place. And it would go no higher than fourth place. In the second week of release, it would be fourth. Third week of release, it was an eighth. And then um, in uh, and yanked. <laughs> fourth week of release, it was 12th. And then it, and then it disappeared from, uh, from theaters. Oh, man. Okay. All right. So this movie. There goes my theory. What's your theory? Was that it didn't do well because it was up against a monster. <laughs> Mannequin was the monster. They they had a sequel to Mannequin. <sighs> well, I don't know. But, According but, to uh, Matt, if, they had a lot more over the top, too. <laughs> well, if you think about it, Mannequin probably shared an audience with over the top. I mean, if you're a family going to the movies that weekend, you know, Platoon, you're not going to take your 12-year-old to. And even though my dad took us to it. If you're the family going out to the movies, you're looking at Mannequin, which is what? The, the Mannequin that becomes a real-life woman at night. Or the Stallone arm wrestling movie. I mean, I'm not sure. Platoon definitely is the true winner out of that box office, both critically and for uh, aging well over the years. A, v- a good Vietnam movie does not age. Mm-hmm. This is not an Oliver Stone film. This is a. This guy's name is. Here we're. Menahem Golan. Yeah. Menachem Golem, a nice Jewish boy. <laughs> really? You think? <laughs> so, yeah, it's a Menahem Golem film. Sure. Why not? He's actually got a, a lot of credits, and I only know that because I did that research for the uh, the Slycast. Mm-hmm. Right. This wasn't his first rodeo as a director. But not and a I, whole lot was noteworthy. Some noteworthy stuff, but most of it was shit I never heard of. Well, no, he's nobody, and he's dead now. Rest in peace. Mahayam. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> Mahayam. <laughs> I'm sure we'll cover it when we go through our detailed and totally accurate plot summary. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's a well-made movie. You can tell the director's competent. <sighs> <laughs> okay, no, hey, wait. Ryan, Ryan, I just want to uh, yeah. validate you a little bit here. They received three nominations at the Razzies. Oh, yeah, we, for, we forgot. <laughs> 
yeah, Stallone. We forgot can, it. Can never forget the ra- <laughs> Stallone is a Razzie stalwart here. But it actually, was David Mendenhall who uh, little Mike, little Mike Cutler, who who took it for worst supporting actor and worst new star. One <laughs> the poor kid. No, he not the poor kid. <laughs> Craig, I know you're not a parent. Doug and I are parents, and this is not a slight on you, Craig, but just as I'm sure you can understand what I'm about to say here. But if this was my kid and I hadn't seen him for 10 years, I would have let him run into the highway. I would have put that <laughs> I would have put that gear uh, big rig in gear and said, You're right, I'm out of here. This the whiny little Yeah. Okay. He was polite. He always asked if he could ask a question before he did. Can I ask you a question, sir? He called him sir. Oh, sir, yeah. the sir. Oh my gosh. Okay, so let's let's start off with the movie here. So we got the opening sequence here as we have Stallone looking pretty really, you know, really handsome, really look, you know, looking really good, looking sharp. He's got a Oh, these are this is prime. This is prime Stallone in terms yeah. of his his abilities. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's and this is what I was going to say. He looks fantastic in this film. Like truly very handsome, looks really good. And that was the first thought I had with myself was like what a waste of his prime to be in this piece of garbage film. He could have been in just a, just give me another action film. Why not? Cuz these years do not last. 24 million dollars. I guess I would have done this for 24 million dollars, let's be honest. Did you like his shy meek kind of persona in this? It was exhausting. That part I was like, okay, be assertive. He, he was only like assertive in the arm wrestling ring when he went psycho eyes. <laughs> Can we speak to something that's bothered me? Since even when we, we did this for Slycast and we never really addressed it, what the F is his name? <laughs> it changes. His name, according to IMDb and Wikipedia, is Lincoln Hawk. People have called them Hawks. Pe- uh, people he also- called himself Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you could say it's like a nickname. You know, he calls himself, I'm the Hawks, you know, uh, and I guess. <laughs> Does it make any sense? I don't know. Maybe that's how he got Michael back after he signed the contract. He was like, look at Grandpa Cutler. I signed Hawks, and my name is Hawk. <laughs> Take that to your secretary. <laughs> and, and I did look on Facebook to see if anyone else's, one else's name was Lincoln Hawk in, this, in the world or Christina Hawk, his on-screen wife. And, yeah, there is a Christina Hawk on Facebook. So this is a, a name enough that somebody is named Christina Hawk out there. So it's a silly 80s name, but I guess it does exist in the real world. Lincoln Hawk is driving his rig and montage. We get a montage, which is like right off the bat. Yeah. Is, is that a Stallone first, like a montage? Well, not counting the, the montages that start Rocky movies, right? Nah, uh, that don't count. Those are recaps though. Right? Yeah. That, yeah. That doesn't count as a montage. No, we have a driving uh, montage. We got scenery here. He's uh, hauling some heavy machinery on his rig. We've got the opening credit here. David Mendehall is Michael. So it's like, ooh, who's this David Mendehall kid? He's, you know, he, they, anytime you say as somebody in the movie, either it's their first time film or it's a, it's a big actor in a smaller role. And the senior shots at the beginning, I'm, I'm, at first I'm kind of like, oh, this is really well shot. Like we talked about, this is nice cinematography. The music's playing is kind of nice. It's like, oh, we got a, uh, we got a nice drama coming up here, boys. Mm-hmm. And that's as about as good as this film gets. Well, this, this might be the earliest incident of a uh, a gratuitous shirtless Stallone shot, you know, when he's at the truck stop washing himself up. Does he not have any clothing that completely covers his body? Or I don't think so. I don't think he owns any, at least not in this, not in this decade. Well, where would he keep it, too? Because he lives in the truck, right? 
what we're led to believe. Yeah, we're led to believe that all he has is this truck and the, literally the shirt on his back. We do see that interspersed with this montage is some sort of military school graduation going on. So mm-hmm. when you're watching this for the first time, like I pretty much was, I, I don't remember this film at all. And I will get to one scene where I think there was a Mandela effect. And I'm, I want to see if you guys are with me on this Mandela effect. Th- that being said, we see Stallone's character, Lincoln Hawk. He's washing his rig. He's taking good care of it. And then we see this military school graduation day. And I, it didn't take me long to, to remember, like, obviously, this is his kid. But he's not at the graduation at this moment. And he's taking his time to get there, too. Why? Why is this happening in this way? Like, okay, so we already know later in the film that, let's just tell our listeners who haven't seen this film, or it's been a long time, his son is being graduated from this military school. He hasn't seen him in 10 years. but his Raised ex- by his grandfather. Raised by the grandfather and the mother together in this big ritzy mansion. He's a rich grandfather, so he's taking care of his daughter and his grandson, Michael. But she's dying. It's unclear of what she's dying of. I thought she was dying of cancer, but I guess it was a heart condition. Mm-hmm. Do we know why he left the family? Is that ever established? He had reasons. Okay, what were they? I know. What I were know. they? <laughs> he was selling drugs, right? That's what Grandpa told Michael. So Grandpa told lies. Grandpa said he sold drugs. He was a violent man. None of these things are true, and that's why we see this really submissive and calm and quiet Lincoln Hawk. He doesn't even bother telling his son, like, the closest we get is that the grandfather drew uh, drove a wedge between his daughter, and but mm-hmm. who cares? I'd be like, screw you, father-in-law. I'm in love with this woman. Get the hell out of my life. Anyways, help me out here. But you have, there had to be some reason for Robert Loggia's grandpa Cutler to be the way he was. And if there isn't a reason, you have to spell that out. So you have to feel that Lincoln did something. And much like in Driven, how we're told what a disaster Joe Joe the Hummer was, it's all just alluded to. It, it, it almost feels like it's the same kind of character sketch here because why wouldn't Cutler want his grandson to be with his dad? I don't know. And I still don't know. Well, that- I had the idea that maybe, you know, because Robert Loggia comes from money and Lincoln Hawk is just a measly truck driver. I think it's exactly what it is. I think it's a stupid 80s trope where he's a rich dad, his rich, privileged daughter fell in love with the, you know, Mm -hmm. the sleeveless, you know, muscle guy. Guy from the wrong side of the tracks. That's it. It's Romeo and Juliet. That's all it is. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, it was alluded to in, in, in our Slycast episode, and I promise this is the third to last time I'll mention the Slycast episode. Um, oh, sure, just plug your show while you're at it. <laughs> plug the archives. <laughs> it was alluded to, or, or, or we asked the question of, was Cutler mobbed up? Or was he a mobster? And is, is that how he got his money? Because his operation seemed very mob-like, right? I mean, he had a personal secretary and not a lawyer, that right. dealt with Lincoln in the jail. He was like the... A consigliere. Uh, yeah. Tom um, Hagen. Yes, thank you. From uh, Godfather. Yeah. He's totally... Yeah. That's totally the setup here. It's a Godfather situation. You're right. Yeah, Craig. I mean... I, th- I think he did come into money in a legal way. I don't, th- I don't think his business or... So they probably... Uh, the son-in-law and the father-in-law probably had different ideals. You know, he maybe is trying to take his daughter away from his father. Her father, you know, so he get away from this life. This guy is a criminal. But what I don't understand is why it seems like the the mother still they still loved Lincoln because she, they called each other mm-hmm. honey on the phone. Yeah, yeah. When he goes to see her in the hospital, 
He says, I'm her husband, not ex-husband. Can I ask who you are? I'm her husband. We know later in the film, too, that Lincoln sent Michael letters for 10 years to correspond. He and never, somebody he, held on to while they were being hidden. Yeah. So, like, we can just throw them in the trash. No, they were in... Mother's in a penny. Book. No, they're in mo- mother's penny drawer. Remember? <laughs> but Mike- why would the mother hold on to him and not show him to Michael? That's what I don't understand. Is that we're led to believe it was Cutler who didn't show Michael the letters from the son-in-law yeah. that he can't stand. But spoiler alert: when the mother dies in the hospital, Michael goes through his mother's room and finds the letters in her panty drawer. <laughs> and was the mother still living with the grandfather? It looks. It appears that yeah. way. Especially, I guess, if she was sick at the end of her life, she might have moved in with Daddy to get taken care of at home for a bit. I don't know. And did they say what kind of heart condition she had? A broken heart. <laughs> well, she died in surgery, right? Yeah. She and died. the doctor, the doctor was so aloof about that. Oh, and yeah. old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Hawk, I'm sorry. Your wife died this afternoon in the operating. He was so you know, old he was, about he it. He was probably like our age, Doug, but in 1987, he would have looked like that. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> okay, so we so Lincoln Hawk combs his hair in the chrome of his wheel of the rig or whatever. Mm-hmm. What was he combing his hair using as a mirror? Was it the rig itself, I think? Or was it the mirror on the rig? Or something like that. So he's combing his hair. He's getting ready. He shows up at the graduation. I love how he pulls up with his truck. There's nothing hitched to it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the guard's like, delivery's in yeah. the rear. Delivery's in the rear. No, I'm here to pick up that cutler. Okay, pass, sir. Thanks. What is he <laughs> delivering? It's a truck with no cargo. Yeah, I work on a military base, as you guys know. And this is a military school, but it looks like there's a lot of actual military there as well. So they have a security guard at the gate. And I'm telling you right now, there's no way in post-9-11, at least, that you would just say, the guys just said, yeah, I'm just here to see my son. He's got this big rig. Oh, I'll just go park it anywhere. <laughs> and I love how I always love how in movies, there's always available parking right where they need to be. Oh, right in front of the restaurant in New York City. Yeah. And I love how this guy can have yeah. – he can actually have a rig and he can just park it right there on the front steps of the graduation. <laughs> okay, did you guys catch any of the dialogue of the people in the background? There was a few things in this movie that people said things in the background. Especially during the finals. But uh, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, when the guy's trying to take the picture. Yes. Go, and, ahead. And, Go ahead and say Yeah, that and he's like, look, look at me. Don't, don't look at him. Can I get you to pay attention? Forget about it. Pay attention to me. I'm trying to get a picture here. Yeah, so when when the Lincoln Hawk first pulls in, people are looking at him like he's an alien. Like, why? Why? Why do people like who's this guy? Why is this? Why is this man existing in my plane of existence? Like, what? He's just a guy in a shirt and tie. Yeah, he wasn't dressed that poorly. I mean, he he was wearing a denim shirt with a, a tie and suspenders, but everybody was looking at him like he was dressed like a bum. Yeah, he, so someone actually said in the ADR uh, recording, someone said, who's he? Someone actually asked, you could hear it, an audible, who's he? <laughs> I, I, if I was uh, Lincoln Hawk and I heard someone say it, I'd look. well, who the hell are you? What do you mean, who am I? I'm me, <laughs> who are you? What a weird, like, what world do we live in? Have you guys ever gone out in public or been at any event, even a wedding, funeral, graduation, where you've looked at anybody in the crowd and said, what the hell are they doing here? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they really overplayed the uh, guy that doesn't belong there thing when I don't think he deserved it. He was just there seeing his son at, at his graduation. It, it, just, it makes no sense. I guess they're trying to allude to the fact that the only credit I'll give that sequence is they're saying that he showed up late. The ceremony is over and people are already taking their photos with their loved ones. Nah. And he, but even then, like, who's he? Like, oh, I'm sorry. I just dropped off my uh, extra jacket into the car because I was getting hot and I'm going back to the ceremony. Like, I, like, who's tracking everybody to wonder who this guy is? <laughs> my favorite part of this, you know, the colonel calls Michael to uh, his office. Right. Cutler! Yes, sir! The colonel wants to see you. Right away, sir! Because he's, you know, telling him that Lincoln's going to take him home, his father. The colonel wishes to see me, sir. Your father wishes to, cadet. My father? Yes, he's come to drive you home. Hello, Mike. I don't have a father, sir. This is your father, Michael. Sir, my grandfather has instructed me to go home with no one besides himself or my mother. Your mother has legal custody over you, Cutler, not your grandfather. And it is her request that your father bring you home. Michael asked for identification. <laughs> sir, may I ask a question? Of course. May I see some identification on this man, sir? That's not called for, cadet. It's okay. I'm ready. <laughs> he shows him a wedding picture. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like no driver's license. He shows him a friggin' wedding picture. Michael, the kid, is is summoned to the <clears throat> basically the military school principal's office. Stallone, Lincoln Hawk, is there waiting. This kid has no idea who this man is. This is so awkward. Now, maybe this is what Craig is talking about. This would never fly today. You have a complete stranger, male no less, saying, I'm here to take this kid away. And, of course, the kid is completely blindsided. He doesn't know who this guy is. Well, I'm your dad. Look, look, here's a picture of me and your mom. What I don't understand is, like, the kid's, like, supposed to say, well, gee, because an adult told me, I guess I'm just going to go on a truck ride with this guy and his rig. There's just no way this would fly today or shouldn't fly today. And what I don't understand is why didn't the mother just give him a heads up saying, hey, after the graduation, just so you know, your father wants to reconnect with you, Michael. So when he shows up unannounced and late, but he'll look really dapper, uh, make sure you go with him. Be nice to him. Show him respect. He's trying to make amends. I know he might be upset, but he really wants to bond with you. You know, obviously the kid loves his mom, but the mom did not prepare Michael at all for this meeting. Yeah, he was completely blindsided. And, I, and like you said, I don't think there was any reason for that. Why couldn't you set it up with the kid know, knowing that he's going to be going home with his estranged father? Yeah, so the first part of their meeting, the first initial hurdle is, why the F are you here? Why the F are you driving me to Colorado to California? There was just no – the poor kid's only 10 or 12 years, 12 years old. And he has – how does he cope with a complete stranger? I don't know. I was never put in that situation as a 12-year-old. <laughs> no, I don't think any of us have. I mean, even you know, at 12 years old, you kind of – all your red flags would be thrown up, right? Wouldn't that be a little creepy to you guys? Well, yeah, yeah. So this kid gets into the rig with, with his dad. They haven't seen each other in 10 years. Of course, he would have only been two years old when dad leaves. We know that the kid's been told stories. I mean, we don't know it now, but as viewers – dissecting the movie we know that the kid's been told that his dad's like a drug dealer and a loser and a washout which would make him even or should make him even more skeptical of going anywhere with him Mm -hmm. 
The kid gets in the rig all the same. He's still wearing his military uniform, which will come into play later. He's, <laughs> anyways, uh, Stallone is trying to make conversation with his son, trying to catch up with him, you know, talk to him. And the kid says, no need to make conversation for my sake. I'd like to say something, sir. Sure. This truck is disgusting. I don't know, Mike. It's just old. Once on a stretch up to Vegas, this thing got up to sir? nearly 100 there's no need to make any conversation for my sake. So much for small talk. But then the kid doesn't stop talking. Mm-hmm. I mean, he says things like, calls his truck disgusting. Why can't we fly? Well, your mother thought it'd be a good way for us to get to know each other. How long will it take? Well, I have one more pickup and say two, three days to be in California and mother doesn't go into surgery, say, until Wednesday morning. Do you really think you can make up 10 years in two to three days? No. You think you can make up for 10 years in two days? You know, like like these little military brat statements he's making make me want to punch him. I never wanted to punch a 12-year-old like that before, but here we are. Yeah, I really wanted to... I, he, he he cries so much in this film. I'm surprised they didn't say, "I'll give you something to cry about." You gotta at least excuse the fact that he did have the right to give his dad a hard time about disappearing for ten years. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's fine. That's totally <laughs> that's fine. That the kid was upset that his dad had abandoned the family for ten years, but we as a viewer don't know why. And so I I as a viewer I cannot sympathize with the star Stallone. Because I am a father, I can't imagine abandoning any of my kids for any amount of time, and at least without an explanation. I would be right away like, hey kid, here's the situation. Ten years ago, your grandfather, who's a mobster, tried to kill me. And I had to leave because if he said that I didn't leave, he was going to kill me. Or something, something would make sense of why after all these years... And Stallone could have said, I sent you letters. Didn't you get my letters? I, you know, you never, you never responded to me. I should be mad at you. You never once wrote back. But he just sits there like a punching bag and, and does not, does not explain to this 12 year old, hey, I'm trying to rebuild a relationship with you. And the reason why it's taken 10 years is because of dot, dot, dot. And we as a viewer, or at least I was, I kept waiting and waiting and waiting for the reason why this happened. It's not inappropriate for the kid to ask him where have you been for 10 years or why did you leave us? Lincoln's excuses. Well, first he said, I have my reasons. And then he's, you know, he just said, I made mistakes. You know, I wish I could take it back. Stuff like that. But can I ask you a question without you getting mad? Sure. Why'd you leave us? Well, I had some reasons. That's not an answer. All I can say, Mike, is I made a mistake. I know that. Well, sometimes it happens in life. We all make mistakes. But it won't happen again. Again, like Ryan said, we never got the reasons. Yeah, he just said he um, made a mis- but, was it mistakes or mistake? He made a mistake. But I mean, either way, like I do think the kid deserves some kind of explanation. Give him something. Not I had reasons. Yeah, and in fact, the kid actually calls him out and says that's not really an answer. What was he writing in all these letters he wrote to Michael? Because we see. <clears throat> That he was writing, you know, one or two page letters here, so. Can I ask you a question, sir? Sure. How did you get all these pictures of me? Well, your mother sent them to me. Why? Well, I've been writing to her for a long time, and 
I asked her for some pictures so I could see how you're growing up. If you two had been riding for a while, sir, how come I never got a single birthday card or a letter or anything? What are you saying, Mike? I'm saying I never heard from you. Mike, I've written to you a hundred times. I, uh, birthdays all the time. What do you mean I never? Well, you must have sent them to the wrong address because I never got anything. Don't you remember that letter I wrote to you in March of 1984 where I explained? Right. What's the content of these letters and birthday cards? Because it seemed like a substantial pile mm -hmm. that were hidden away in that panty drawer. Being an over-the-road truck driver, too, is a, is a hard life. You're on the road for months at a time. I don't know if you can use that as a reason why you disappeared 10 years ago and never showed back up again. Because even over-the-road truck drivers get time off, don't they? Whatever he did, it wasn't enough... And painful enough for the mother to not allow him to come back into his, her life when she was dying. To, and she wanted Lincoln to raise Michael. So whatever mm -hmm. this thing was, 10 years later, Christina is saying, Lincoln, I want you to raise our son. I'm dying. But was she dying? We know she was sick, but realistically, she was supposed to make it through that heart surgery. And then would she have been better? I think I, I, I don't know. Look, she she died. She must have read the script. <laughs> <laughs> right. If she did get better, did she get back together with Lincoln, and then they raised Michael together? Well, you I mean, she she had to know she was going to die on the operating table. <laughs> and I mean, seriously, like she looked terrible. Who know she, that she looked terrible. She looked like she, she had she looked like she had cancer and a heart attack at the same time. I don't know. She looked. She worked with Stallone two times previously as well. Well, yeah, I believe it was Lords of Flatbush and Capone, which wow. uh, Stallone had a small role in. Okay, I don't say. So we got a couple of comments here. I just want to make sure we say hi to our <laughs> listeners. So Brent Kenny, thanks for coming in. He just uh, poked a little fun at. <laughs> the, the exercise equipment, the rig. And then uh, one of our uh, oh. podcast friends, I must break this podcast, check him out. Uh, I believe his name is Sean, right? Yeah, Sean. What's going on, man? Sean says, I'll admit, I have a slight soft spot for this film. The relationship between Sly and his son feels genuine, don't you think? Yeah, well, Sean lives in Colorado as well. So you've got two people on, on right now that are in locations or in states where this movie took place. I'm with you, Sean. I have a soft spot for this film myself. As far as the feeling of the father and son relationship, it's a little forced in the respect where how quickly Michael turns. But I do feel like once once the turn does happen, I feel like it does feel genuine. It feels like a true father and son relationship. And I think, Doug, that's a, a big result of Stallone's abilities as an actor. And we saw this in Rocky Five as well. Stallone was really able to tap into whatever place he had inside of him, you know, that father, that father place. And I guess being a father himself, all of his relationships with his kid in, in any movie that he's made has seemed very genuine. And I think, you know, we talk about all the credit that Stallone doesn't get. I don't think he gets credit for the sensitivity he exhibits when he's acting around kids and also how genuine those moments are. I do think that this kid was a really, really poorly written character. And mm -hmm. I know last month we beat up on Stallone for his shitty dialogue. But again, this kid does not talk like a 12-year-old, even if he was in military school. <laughs> I think that's what we're led to believe is that military school really shaped him up to be some intelligent uh, young boy. And, of course, uh, Lincoln Hawk's like, whoa, what, you know, look at this guy. He's like high vocabulary, highfalutin in a weird way. And 
Lincoln wants his son to kind of mellow out a little bit. Though that's the yin and yang of this relationship, right? He, the son says, "I hate you." So, <laughs> and then we have to start someplace. Yeah, Lincoln says we have to start someplace. I hate you. I hate you. We have to start someplace. This is when the kid says, "I'm getting sick. Can you stop the rig? I want to get out." Is that where this happens? Sir, could you pull over, please? I'm feeling sick. What's wrong? Would you please pull over, sir? Mm -hmm. So the kid jumps out, runs across the highway, and Lincoln chases after him. Now, if you're a bystander, it looks like this guy is kidnapping this kid. Yeah. This is a child abduction. This is Amber Alert shit right here. How do you describe that truck in an Amber Alert, Doug? (laughs) Can you imagine? It's the only rusty red piece of garbage on the road. Can you imagine you're behind this rig? A, a, a kid jumps out, and some burly trucker is chasing this little boy, and you're like, "Huh, that's probably the dad." <laughs> even still, even if it is a dad, most ambulers actually are uh, occur by the kid's parent. That's right, Doug. You're a cop, right? Yeah, you have to say that every time. <laughs> well, I just want to—I want to make sure because there's a cop question I have for later in the film. Yeah, we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if it's about destruction of property. Just wait, just wait. <laughs> but they remind me—that's my Mandela effect question. Okay, okay. The kid runs away. Lincoln captures him, or you know, captures him. Catches. He says, "You know, shush, shush, shush." <laughs> he and, well, he holds him and like tries to like coddle him, saying, "There, there, there." I know you're scared. Then holds this kid that he hasn't seen in ten years. Like, actually, I have a twelve-year-old son. I've never held my kid the, the way. They- <laughs> <laughs> the way Stallone holds this 12-year-old. Uh, you know, it's really awkward for a 12-year-old to kind of be held that way, I think. So and is that when he ripped the sleeve as well? Yes. Yeah, so the, sleeve, the sleeve right off. So the sleeve gets ripped off, but the kid insists on wearing this uniform jacket, even with the sleeve ripped off. Like, just take it off. Sorry about the, sorry about the jacket. It's no problem. You'll get the bill. Sure. It's like, you'll be getting the bill for it. Was the kid ever going to wear that jacket again? He graduated. He shouldn't be. He goes in the closet and sits there until you decide to get rid of it, right? Right. They rip off on purpose the other sleeve. You know, as mm-hmm. a as a bond later in the film, kid Take rips off. Shows guns. That's right. Okay. They go to the truck stops. So now they get back in the rig. There's a little bit of more peace in the rig. You know, if you're hungry, there's a great place up here for good steak. What do you say we stop? Sir, you're going to be a victim of cholesterol poisoning. Later in life, you'll just start to rot away. You're just full of good humor, aren't you, Mike? Well, let's try it anyway. They're hungry. Let's go have something to eat at the truck stop. Of course, it's just a dive of a truck stop, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's jam-packed. Yeah, oh, it's busy. It's the busiest truck stop in America. I kind of like the moment where the kid gives him a hard time about the meal he orders, the steak and mm-hmm. the, what, the mashed potatoes or whatever, and he says... So what will it be, a couple of big steaks, Nick? For me, Michael, have chicken. Bird, sure. No, excuse me. For a man who exercises, you don't know much about nutrition. A fried chicken dinner with mashed potatoes and gravy contains about 1,000 calories and 50% fat. These fats have been linked to heart disease and some cancer. So what would you like? Tuna salad, whole wheat toast, and spring water with lemon, please. Okay. Double that. All right. He says it's, you know, over a thousand calories, whatever. And I kind of dug that. And and it speaks to like that whole idea that, you know, we always see Stallone loves to reference eating junk or garbage, Mm -hmm. but he's in like, 
oh yeah better shape than you know 99.9 of the population (laughs) yeah the kid was probably ordering what stallone ate that day (laughs) he's uh cutting his pizza with scissors and cobra like you can't tell me (laughs) stallone ever eats pizza scissors because he's like i've never eaten a slice of pizza in my life (laughs) he didn't know how to eat it obviously you cut the tip off I think the the kid's got a pretty good zinger here when when uh, Lincoln asks him how do you like the place and he goes I never did like the zoo. I like the place, my city. Like yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention Stallone had a hand in the screenplay. That's true. <laughs> Another he zoo did. reference. <laughs> well, retards like the zoo. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just quoting a Rocky film before I get these uh, social justice warriors on our chat. I'm just quoting a Rocky movie. Okay. The views of Ryan Rebalkin are of his and his alone and do not reflect the views. Stallone Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) All right. They're eating their food or whatever. And then this um, WWE wrestler comes out of nowhere with this uh, huge arms, huge hair. He just comes up to him and says, are you Lincoln? I'm the smasher. I said, are you Hawk? I'm the Smasher. It's a nice name. And all I've been hearing on the road lately is this Hawk is a man to beat. I can't believe everything you hear. I don't. I don't believe anything. I got a thousand that says I could tear your arm off. You want it? Yeah, yeah. Go on. He's trying to back out. I said, you want it? Why not? All right. Let's get this table ready. Let's go. Come on. I want to show this guy something. Come on. Break his arm. Is he going to fight that guy? The Smasher. Has that ever happened to you before, Ryan? Maybe it's a thing that happens down here in in the States. Well, where I come from, when you smash people, it's a different terminology. (laughs) (laughs) It's the kids' lingo these days. Yeah. Hey, you smashed some this weekend? Yeah. So, (laughs) So he challenges Lincoln to a... Well, we don't know at this point. If you're watching this movie and you don't know there's going to be arm wrestling in it, you might just think at this point it might be a fight. Something's going down. He challenges him. He tells his kid, like, I got to go to work. I got to go to work. work. Where are you going? Got to go to work. And he puts on his hat. Before the hat, he walks away with his hat on, but... You know, they part the Red Sea for Lincoln. There's a crowd on the right and a crowd on the left. And he's walking down the middle of the aisle with these crazy eyes, man. That was crazy. So well. That was shot so mm. well. Yes, I know exactly the part you're talking about, yes. For whatever reason, the beast comes out of Lincoln when it's time to arm wrestle. Mm-hmm. There's one reason why this movie stresses me out. And I, the one reason why actually, maybe I, one of the main reasons why I don't like it. I have zero interest. In fact, arm wrestling itself stresses me out. Every time I see these guys arm wrestle, I am nervous. I'm one of those guys I don't like to watch bones break. So the whole idea that they're just twerking their arms like that and this the amount of like unnecessary exertion. Stress? Yes, on, on their arm. And always the same. Usually it's always the same arm. I know some wrestling championships, they have, you have to do your off arm or whatever. But if you're both right-handed, you fight a right-handed person. The whole idea of the arm wrestle and what it means, and it's not a measure at all of toughness. It's not a measure at all of anything. It's actually only a few muscles that are in that. And within this arm wrestle competition, as we'll get to it, I guess, it's just a whole, nothing, it doesn't seem like there's any real rules other than you start square 
you get to hold something on your left. But then they use an older body. Is that allowed? Are you allowed to like go down like this? Like, you know, or go yeah. like... You can't um, lift your elbow off the table. You can't use your hand to hold the table. Like they got that grip there right. for you to hold, but you can't like grab the bottom of the table or anything like that. Okay. I don't know. The whole idea of arm wrestling is just so unappealing to me. Yeah, I agree. I had forgotten how much little actually happens until the last half hour of the movie. The first hour of the movie, there's one arm wrestling match really with Lincoln does one with Smasher. Mm-hmm. And the kid does one with another kid at the arcade. Other than that, what's the Double two? elimination with the kid. At this same moment, we have Bull Hurley, for some reason, decides to show up at the truck stop. That's right. In a completely different state from where he lives and works, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, He's a trucker, too. Oh, I thought he wears that Las Vegas. But he may be that in real life or something. But within the movie, he's actually does say that he's also a trucker. Well, he says that he's uh, he, he drives a truck. Which I thought mm-hmm. meant the truck. Oh, yeah. I drive truck, break arms, and arm wrestle. It's what I love to do. It's what I do best. Because he likes to do three things. Yeah, one of them's arm wrestling. One of them, yeah. Breaking break arms. arms. Yeah, break arms, drive <laughs> a truck. Yeah. I drive a truck, break arms, and arm wrestle. <laughs> but, like, the kid is, like, playing with that little squeeze ball that his dad left behind and, like, this is another, you know, 2019 moment. You don't touch somebody else's kid like that. That's, like, yeah, that is a creepy he, like, moment. Comes up behind the kid and like wraps his hand around the kid's hand. Yes, with the shades on. One of our uh, listeners here, Mike Belverity, he actually asked, "Does anyone know what the hawk is squeezing at the table?" And I guess it's the same thing that he left at the table for the kid. So was it a ball or something? Or I think it was just like one of those stress balls or something. Yeah, okay. that's what I kind of thought. Is that another uh, crossover from Rocky? His little ball that he flips around. I don't know. I think you're you're giving it too much credit. I pull into Matt here with the universe crossover. <laughs> yeah. So just you know, Matt's been uh, chiming in on on uh, YouTube, and uh, he just uh, said that there the original or some of the original <laughs> script was darker. That there was a darker moments. That Cutler indeed was a mob man. That he was a killer. Maybe there was the truly that darker version that didn't happen. That's what the screenwriter was upset about. Why is Bull so sweaty? Everyone is, though. <laughs> this guy, he's wearing like a gray shirt when he goes to molest Michael Cutler. And the top half of his shirt is is sweaty. It's all wet. It's hot. And then I'll say. <laughs> I mean, I sweat like that. If it's hot enough, I sweat like that, too. So I can't take anything away from the guy. But God damn. It looks like you're getting a little bit. You're getting a little glistening right now there, uh, Doug. You OK? Anyway, it is, it's warm in here. These lights, you know. Oh, I think you got to take off. Your, I think you have to take off your shirt. I think we might get some more lady viewers if you. Uh, right. <laughs> We're almost in the tank top season, boys. There we go. The truck stop happens. They have the arm wrestle smasher. Did Smasher win the first round, or did or, or did no. Lincoln win both? I, I don't think there was. Was there two? Theirs was, was just, just a single one. elimination. Okay. Yeah, it was just one. Now the kid called him a hustler after he won. Why would he be a hustler if he just won the match? You know, you're a hustler. You hustle that man back there for money. Oh. I'd like to call my mother. Well, and he didn't even initiate it either. He was sitting there minding his own business. Right. That's weird. Was Lincoln expected to put money up as well? I, I don't know. Okay, let's just... Final half hour is the tournament, the arm wrestling tournament. Is there any kind of crowd in any event that you've ever seen where it's just non-stop cheering and fanaticism? Like, they were just like... this is Watching people twist each other's arms is like the greatest thing in the world it's like the blood sport it's the same audience from the blood sport <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> you were there to see some snapped arms. The German, Did you see that? The German guy broke his arm. No, it wasn't real, I don't think. It was real. What? There, what? there is no freaking way you could fake that. Oh, the bone, like... It wasn't one of the finalists. It was it just was some guy, guy with... It said our, the announcer said, oh, our German friend is injured. Oh, did it say that? Yeah. He was wearing a black tank top, and he had a mullet. And you could see, you could see his arm dislocate. What? So, so do we think this was actually filmed at the national arm wrestling finals, or was it staged for the movie? All of it was filmed at a real arm wrestling tournament. They invented a tournament to promote this movie. Most of the footage was filmed at the tournament, except the Stallone stuff, which was filmed uh, like the next day. Oh, really? And was it yeah. filmed at the Hilton there here in Vegas or? Wherever they, they were holding a tournament, which I think it was there in Vegas. Yeah. So one of our uh, watchers here, Famaz Ali, said, uh, what was the, the deal with the swap of the cap? Or what did it have to do with the arm, his strength of his arms? Anyone want to comment on the uh, switching of the hat and how it affected his strength? Well, it was like a personality switch, right? It was it was like when Batman puts his cowl on. It was just a way for him to get into character, and then that was how he did it. That's ridiculous. Ryan, I'm putting a uh, a video in the feed. What? Please watch it. What feed? On Facebook. Oh, there it is. Okay. Oh, okay. Just it- before I watch it, I did. I know exactly what the part you're talking about. I guess when I watched it, I was like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. I almost don't want to watch it because I thought that's what I saw, but I kept going. Yeah, dude. It's like it's like a quick six or seven second clip. But Oh, it's, yeah. You know, he does. You're right. You're right. He did. He dislocated his elbow. Oh, <laughs> oh, he did dislocate his elbow. They kept it in the film. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Did you see that? I can't open it up on my phone, unfortunately. Okay. Watch it. out. It's in our chat on Facebook. I'll send it right to you on uh, on the messenger. That's okay, right. Cool. That is like hardcore. That's like the most hardcore thing. That's gross. What is it when an unstoppable force meets a immovable object? One of those things. They're putting so much exertion on their joints, right? That something's got to break. <laughs> One person gave that video a thumb down. Because <laughs> <laughs> the guy whose arm got snapped. Oh yeah, <laughs> he gave it the thumbs down. He gave it the thumbs no, down. No, no, no. The guy that gave it the uh, thumb down actually was the guy who had his arm snapped, but his arm yeah. was upside down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> he, he meant to like, give it a thumbs up. <laughs> he meant to like it, but he was incapable of putting his thumb up. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is so terrible. Yeah, that's bad. That's the moment that you're worried about when you think yes. about arm wrestling, right? That which I feared happened, but I blocked it out when I saw it. I actually saw it happen when it happened, but I, I didn't go back to investigate. I was like, oh, did he really break his arm? But he did. But you didn't want to see it again. No, but thank you. Thanks to you, and thank you for posting our feed. Hey, uh, that's what we got. Yeah. That's what we do here. All right. So, mom dies. They go to the hospital. <laughs> we missed the whole kid arm wrestling, which is. Oh, my bad. Probably yeah. the worst moment as a father in the history of worst moments of fathers. Yeah, pimping out your son. <laughs> you feel good? Yeah, what? I mean, you feel strong? Why? Come with me. Where are we going? You'll see. There we go. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Did any of you boys ever arm wrestle? Why? Well, I got a kid here that I think could beat any one of you guys, say, two out of three times. 
he's a practical joker, sorry. He's just a shy kid. As a matter of fact, I'm so sure I'm willing to put money on it. Kid, if I couldn't beat you, I'd kill myself. <laughs> this is getting too intense. You know you don't have a chance against this kid, you know. Yes, he does. Ten to one odds. You're one against my ten, fair enough. All right, let's go. Ten to one odds. Right here. All right, two out of three times. Yeah, can anyone explain his reasoning for this? I would never put my son in this position of beat this kid in an arm wrestle. I know you can do it. You just got to do it. You just got to like bully. Oh, this is where we have another little Rocky speech that goes on way too yeah. long. Yep. Way too long. What are you trying to do? All you wanted to do was embarrass me. Well, you did it, okay? Grandfather always said you were a loser. Now you're trying to make me one and I hate you for it. Mike. I don't care what your grandfather thinks about me, okay? All I care about is you. Now, you lost back there because you beat yourself. You let yourself get beat. I know you can do it. You're a special kid. You're my boy, do you understand? But you're also a spoiled, rich brat who's always had everything done for him. Now it's time to do it for yourself, Mike, and you can do it. Because I'm telling you, the world meets nobody halfway. Do you understand what that means? If you want it, Mike, you got to take it. Do you hear me? You gotta take it. Go in there and try. I know you can win. But even if you don't, so what? So you lose. As long as you lose, like a winner, it doesn't matter. Because you did it with dignity. I'm telling you, if you don't go in there, you're gonna be sorry. You're gonna regret it your whole life. You know what I mean? Come on. I know you can do it. Will you do it for me? Come on. Let's get it. So he he bets this kid two out of three, right? That Mike can beat him in two out of three matches. So the bully wins the first match. Soundly. So, so, yeah, decisively. So the so Michael runs out crying. His father embarrassed him. So he chases after him and he gives him this rocky driven <laughs> inspirational speech. About, you know, you lost back there because you let yourself get beat. The world meets nobody halfway. If, if you want it, you got to take it. If you lose, so what? You lose with dignity. It was just like you said, Ryan, it goes on for so long. With It was a long speech. It's like, yes, like, dad, get on with it. Yeah. I, I don't know. He was trying to drive home too many points at once. If you don't go back there, you'll regret it your whole life. I don't know. I think if he walks away, he could probably put this little incident behind him. <laughs> Was life. this the second day together or their first day together at this uh, arm wrestling? This was their second day because, remember, uh, um, after the truck stopped, they pulled over on the side of the road and went to sleep. Okay, let's talk about that sequence. They haven't seen each other in 10 years. This kid hasn't seen this man in 10 years. He doesn't know this guy from Adam, really. Right. And you've got Lincoln, the father, Stallone's character, telling his kid... If your head hurts at night, just come over here and lay your head on my shoulder or my chest. You basically snuggle with me at night. Why'd you stop? I think we all need a rest. I don't see a hotel. Oh, Mike, I thought we'd stay in the truck tonight. A lot of truckers do it. If you can do it, I can do it. There's the spirit. Well, good night, Mike. Good night, sir. By the way, if your neck gets sore tonight, you can use my shoulder for a pillow. Thanks anyway, sir, but I think I can manage. You sure? Positive, sir. Because I don't mind. Sorry. Maybe tomorrow we'll exercise a little bit. Good night, sir. 
today, Mike. I think we can get along fine, Mike. You're a good kid. Mm-hmm. No, if my twelve-year-old son touches me with a, his pinky at night. I'm, I'm get the get away from me. You're not. <laughs> don't you dare touch me. I don't want any kind of contact with any of my kids above the age of four at nighttime. Do you also think it was weird that like the kid didn't have an issue with not being able to like get ready for bed, brush his teeth, I thought and about like that. no brushing teeth, know? no urinate. I got to pee right before I go to bed. Where do they go pee? <laughs> Well, no, road. arbitrary too like they pull over he's, uh you know i think it's ready to i think it's it's time to take a break or whatever a minute earlier the kid wasn't thinking about going to sleep for the night <laughs> right and then a minute later they're going to bed oh uh, but he does that whole you know use my my shoulder as a pillow thing but then the next morning when they show him <sighs> it's lincoln that's laying on the kid <laughs> i know I know. Maybe I don't love my kid. maybe I don't live, love my kids enough because I am not using my kid as a pillow either. Like this is just ridiculous. But then the next morning, before the kid arm wrestles, we have the workout montage to yes. meet me halfway. They're doing oh, the, their little bicep curls off the bumper of the truck. It's basically Stallone has to have some sort of exercise montage. This kid does ten push-ups, and now he can beat a kid twice yeah. his size in an arm wrestle. So he had already used the. The Riggs weight machine too. Then at this point, mm-hmm. yeah. Does anyone want to talk about what he, what contraption uh, Lincoln had in his rig there? See how I do this? Put your wrist into it. You lean forward. You put a lot of weight in there. But you have to use your whole body to it. It's like your whole body is one piece of machinery. You try it. That's it. Good grip. That's it. Lean into it. You can do it. Keep your wrist straight. Good. That's it, Mike. Now put some muscle into it. There's more or less than just muscles. Well, it can't have that much weight on it, right? Because Lincoln's using it. He's mm-hmm. pumping it or whatever. And then he says, kids to give it a try. And they don't show him adjusting any weight on it. And then the kid's pumping it, too. Uh, with no, I mean, it doesn't take any effort for the no kid effort. to do it. It's just a handle tied to a rope on a pulley with a weight stack in between the seats. So he just... But how much that the kid was able to do it as well? You wouldn't think it's that heavy if the kid can do it. It had to be, what, five pounds for the kid to be able to do it? It looked like there was a couple of small weights on the there was. on the end of the string, but it, it I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's equipped to make Lincoln an arm wrestling beast. No, I, I wouldn't think so. That was purely for definition. I also don't... He was a serious cut from that because he's just sitting there all day putting his his muscle behind it. I guess he only does the one arm too. Like you can't do the left arm. No, I'm a weightlifter myself. And if you're trying to (laughs) isolate a muscle, you're not, he's telling the kid to like put his whole body into it. (laughs) That goes against every weightlifting principle out there. If you're trying to isolate a muscle, you work that muscle. It's arm wrestling training though, which the idea that there's barely any weight on it is absurd because it's what's he, what's he developing there? Yeah. A sense of pride. Uh, yeah, I don't even think he's getting that out of it. Jason Haynes chimed in on our uh, YouTube chat. He just said that stress balls weren't invented to, to, until 1988. So that sounds like made up. Well, he's your buddy. Yeah, and Maybe he's totally. I was ahead of the curve, and uh, you know, a lot of times before things go to market, celebrities, you know, have the money or the means to get introduced to it. Yeah. So the kid asked him, "Are you going to get violent at one point?" Remember that. Hmm. I guess that just alludes back to the lies that the grandfather told. So, okay, let's go back to the arm wrestling with the kid. So the kid 
loses the first round with the complete stranger kid at the arcade. The, uh, Lincoln says to him, over the top, you ready? Drop the weight. Over the top, Mike. Come on. Get up, Mike. There's our first kind of reference of over the top. Does anyone want to explain to our listeners what over the top looks like when you're arm wrestling? It's yeah. the crest of the wave. Like you go, like you arm wrestle in an arc. And once you cross the crest of that arc, I, I guess you have the advantage. Like it's. No, I thought it involved moving your fingers. Yes. Oh, the thumb? Is that what that was yes, about? Yes, he's read. Okay, Doug. You, okay, whoa, whoa. Okay, Doug. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Stop I, it. I love you, but you're like a lovable uh, idiot. <laughs> yes, because you yourself just saw you've seen this movie at who knows how many times. I could have told you 24 hours ago before I saw this movie again that over the top mate adjusting the hands and the fingers over that wrist to come over the I top. Never put that together ever. You might have to hand in your over the top card, which you should, which you should do proudly. <laughs> I don't have an over-the-top card. It was the idea that the uh, placing the hands at a key moment gave you that extra advantage. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. I, I hate this movie now. <laughs> As you should! As you should! <laughs> What's even more absurd is uh, Lincoln refers to that as the over-the-top, but then at the effing tournament, the finals are considered going over-the-top. Mm-hmm. So what came first, the hand move? Was the hand move nicknamed after the the greatest event in arm wrestling, which is called over the top? Calling the finals over the top makes sense with the way Doug explained it. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I mean. He took the nickname or took the part of the arm wrestling tournament into his own move and just named it over the top as well. I thought that move was like a, like a little little known secret that only he knows about. Because he's the only one we see do it. It's really not fair that he wins, spoiler alert, the whole championship. Because not only does he have the power with his... Bull doesn't lose twice. No, but yeah. he... But he, he well, sorry, say that again, Craig? Bull doesn't lose twice. Double elimination. Oh. It's double elimination. Lincoln loses in the semifinals when there's, what, four guys left? Mm-hmm. And, no. And he's, able, and, and he's able to arm wrestle again. But Bull loses, and it's a double elimination. I mean... I, what about the final match? Maybe that's not a double elimination. Maybe everything up to the final. It was it was never stated that way. The whole it, tournament and and they took it upon themselves to let us know a hundred times that yes. it's double elimination. Why did they keep saying that? It drove me up the wall. One again. And the newcomer, Lincoln Hunt, has lost his first finals match. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, please remember this is a double elimination. Each of these semifinalists have another chance. You have to lose twice to be out of the competition. Remember, dummies, it's double elimination. And, and it's ridiculous, too, because it was like Stallone wanted to have his cake and eat it, too. Like, he needed to get that story beat in where he loses and he's able to come back from it. And yes. instead of finding a creative way to do that, he was just like, oh, we'll make it a double elimination and I'll lose when there's four guys left. Right. It makes him look ridiculous. And Against the guy that drinks motor oil. Okay. okay. And then takes an Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> yeah, what's with the Alka-Seltzer? The Alka-Seltzer product placement. The, the black guy, the only black arm wrestler in the world, apparently, he, he, he was wearing the Alka-Seltzer shirt. And then there was the, so much product placement. What else did you catch? Oh, yeah, Brute. Brute. Yeah, the Brute. There was uh, at the tournament, there was uh, Fujitsu, Pepsi, and Dorsell stands. There was some 
before the tournament, it shows Lincoln Hawk working out on a solo flex machine. And then during the tournament, there's a guy in the audience wearing a solo flex shirt. Oh, <laughs> it was a lot. The guy with the Alka-Seltzer shirt, he was the poorest sport in the whole movie. Yeah, that guy, yeah, uh, I know. Apollo I... Creed Light, I wrote down. In his interview, his talking head, he seemed so cool. My whole body is an engine. This is a fire plug, and I'm going to light him up. And then he was he became a total punk after, like, I wasn't ready. And, you know, he's trash talking, and then he gets beat. He goes to grab Lincoln's arm again like he wants to arm wrestle again. I guess he had already lost once. I know, I hate to say this, but they made the, the one character who's black in the arm wrestling tournament, they made him the biggest loser. They gave him the shortest talking promo. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously! I don't know. It didn't age well. Like it, As a 2019 viewer, like, oh, this guy really got the short of the straw in this film. Like They made him the sorest loser and everything. In his interview segment, he at least seemed he was kind of like a super positive competitive guy you know he's talking about his arm being what a like a, a spark it Something. seems so out of character yeah so the mom dies <laughs> yeah i guess we should get back to the lincoln michael cutler storyline so huh? they go to the hospital to visit the mom which is weird because cutler is looking he's got his henchman and himself he's looking for the kid and you would think they would just have stakeout at the hospital because this is exactly where they went. Lincoln and the kid go to visit the mom at the hospital. But Cut- Well, the kid gets abducted after he arm wrestles the bully. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And Sorry, then, and then Lincoln chases, ch- chases him down in his rig. Yeah, can we explain how he can do that and smash into other vehicles and just keep driving? Is this like... And you hear the police sirens in the background, but they have no idea yeah. where... The, like You hear the sirens but no cops show up. Like The cops mm-hmm. are just inept in this film. The mom dies, they're at the hospital, and the doctor says, I'm sorry your wife died. Mm-hmm. She died in surgery. <laughs> I would be surprised if there was some gross malpractice going on here. Maybe. Maybe. By old man River? Yeah, I mean, that guy shows no compassion. No. He says sorry, but it almost seems like a technicality, and he's, oh shit, let's make sure we dot all our I's and cross all our T's so that, you know we don't get sued. The craziest mm-hmm. thing happened. Your wife came in for heart surgery. We took out her heart, but we forgot to put it back in. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. So the mom's dead. The, the kid takes off crying again. This is like his fifth time to have a crying fit. If you would have never come to pick me up, I would have seen her. I wouldn't be running around in that truck while she was dying. Ain't nobody knew much. You've never been around when anybody needed you. Jesse! There, at least, I I understand it because he blames his dad for driving there instead of, I guess, you know, or making all the stops they made. And he blames his dad for not being able to see his mom before she died. That's ridiculous. I would have said, hey, if I didn't take you away from the kidnappers that your grandfather sent on you, you would be your grandfather when your mother died. Have you ever heard of the concept, Brian, of de-escalating? During oh, an argument? Yes. <laughs> you seem to be, you seem to like the, the escalation uh, side right. of things. You, you take an angry kid and you make him even angrier. <laughs> Just so you know weird. your grandpa's an a hole. <laughs> That's a good point. We glossed over another thing that wouldn't happen in 2019. A hysterical kid hails a, ca- a taxi cab. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
jumps in with a man running after him, telling him to stop. Mm-hmm. And the cab driver's just like, well, I got a fare. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we also forgot to mention that the kid got to drive the truck down the highway. He got a two-minute driving lesson, which will pay off at the end of the movie. Well, and that's the thing. So he's driving a rig. He's never. He's 12. He can barely reach the gas and the pedal and the clutch. And he's actually driving by traffic. Traffic is actually coming in, in the opposing direction. Can you imagine some unassuming family has no idea that this rig is being driven by a 12-year-old? Yeah, but also – Lincoln does that to sort of make his son feel stupid because his son's basically mm-hmm. saying, you don't have any books here. Most people are stunted between the 11 and 13 year old range and a truck driver's got to be even lower than that. So Lincoln in, in another father of the year moments pulls over and he's, well, let's see you drive. And it almost seems like it was another moment where he was trying to prove to the kid that driving a truck is, is difficult. And Michael nails it. There's more life than just muscles. Meaning what? Meaning I don't see any books around. You don't read much, do you? No offense, but you're just simply on a different social scale. Uh, You want to tell me more about this social scale? It's been said that the average mental age for an adult is 15, just three years older than I am. For a trucker, it has to be in the 11 to 13 year range. Maybe 14, if they have good genetics. You know, Mike, it's really great driving with such a tremendous intellectual like you. I, I, it's a real blessing. Why are you stopping? You're aggravated, aren't you? Boy, I passed aggravation about a mile back. Are you going to get violent? Going to give me a break? You know, Mike, since you think it takes no brains at all, I have to be stupid and abnormal to drive a truck like this, I'll tell you what. Why don't you just come on over into my seat and let's see if you can move this machinery around, okay? What? Drive, genius. Total failure in terms of teaching your kid a lesson. Yeah, it was kind of a bit of egg on the father's face. Like, oh, this kid's a fast learner and everything, I guess. He's a nerd in need. Hit a lot of turbulence. Let's shift to second gear, okay? Now, you're doing great. Ready? Punch all the way in. Give some gas. Ready? Okay, shift. Wow, I'm impressed. Not bad. I think we have a natural here. Okay. I think you're about ready to do it by yourself. No! Gotta go now, friend. Go on, hold it steady. This is great! I'm really doing it! This is great! Now, that wasn't so hard, was it? What, sir? Smiling. <laughs> You're real natural. I keep her on the road. Same thing. Here comes Mike. All right. Isn't the the learning how to drive thing a classic movie trope? Oh, anyway. Yes. yes. The kid's driving a rig. The mom dies. Uh, the kid's living with the grandfather back at the mansion. And Lincoln comes to the gate saying, I'm here to see, what's his name again? Coltrane? Cutler. Yes? I'd like to talk to Jason Cutler. You're not wanted here. Would you tell him that Lincoln Hawks would like to talk to him? Like I said, you're not wanted here. I want to see my boy. Move it out. Move. Get this thing the hell out of here before I call the police. Cutler. And did you recognize Robert Loja? The gate was? The, the guard, guard at the, the gate? gate? No. Yes. 
Are you guys big Lebowski fans? Uh, I've seen the movie once or twice, but not. I, I don't memorize every character. Remember the bowler Jesus played by um, what's his name? So yeah, it was his partner. Oh wow, Jesus's partner. Oh wow, okay. he takes his belly. <laughs> oh, okay, we'll take okay. your word for it on that one. Yeah, I've seen the film. It's good. Uh, I, I mean, I love the Coen Brother films. Uh, we, we should have watched that. <laughs> you, you like that better than Over the Top? Yeah. Come on. Stallone is at the gate here, and it reminded me of when he was at the gate with Troutman in Rambo Part 2. It was the same uh, same kind of intensity. There were scenes that Stallone did that I really like. Oh, I like his intensity here. But then it just. But then the intense scenes were silly because they were arm wrestling. But in this moment with the rig. Now, here's my Mandela effect. If you were to ask me 24 hours ago or. 36 hours ago when I hadn't seen this film in 30 years, I would have told you, I remember the rig crashing into the house scene. I swear it happened in the daylight mm. for whatever reason. I, that's my Mandel. So if any of our listeners or anyone watching the show, if you can remember, it was the daylight. I have a very vivid memory of it coming. So when he arrived with this truck at night and you anybody backed up, I was like, what's he doing? What? I thought this was yeah, my, I was like totally blown away that it was at night. Anyways, that was just my little Mandela effect. I just obviously had a false memory, but I could have sworn he drove that thing in the daytime through the through the property. Now, what was Lincoln's end game here? Because he crashes through the gate, drives over the fountain, and what a little bit up the stairs. Yeah, he does like extreme property damage here. So, was right. his plan to grab the kid and get back in the truck and just? back out and drive away like nothing happened I, I think so I think the kid if he had hopped in and the grandpa's like well have a good life with your father he would have driven away I think he just wanted to talk to Cutler right yeah Isn't that what it was he just wanted to talk to him yeah Mike Mike Hawks Mike come with me please Mike please actually think that you can get away with what you've done you think you can come in here destroy my home and take michael with you michael cutler is my boy you deserted him years ago and that's a fact that you can't change no matter what you do damn you damn you so but does it also seem out of character for how shy and timid his he is well, maybe this is speaking to the kind of man, the violent man that we're led to believe he might have been ten years ago. I don't know. We're giving this I, movie, we're giving this movie too much credit that there's some sort of. They never gave us the backstory, so it's all uh, supposition and, and uh, proposing what he may or may not have been like ten years ago. I'll tell you who I want to give credit to is Robert Loja and his A plus yelling. I love the one line where he's talking to his lawyer who's like, we went back a hundred years and there's no way that they're going to separate that kid from his father. And yes, you, you know, you're a lawyer. It's your job to figure out how to bend the rules or whatever. Find a loophole. Yeah. yeah. I got here as soon as I could. Jason. Yes. I'm afraid we don't have much of a custody case. What the hell is that? I had my best researchers run down every applicable court case for the last 100 years. Bottom line, Jason. No judge is going to award you custody of Michael. The court is going to give him to his father unless Hawks can't support him. Support him? How the hell can he support him? The son of a bitch lost everything. He can't even support himself. Anyway, there's always a way to bend the law. Isn't it your job? Why don't you find the loophole? Come on, my boy. They had their top researchers going back a hundred years. 
1887. How many court cases do you think there were in 1887 that were relevant to the Lincoln Hawk case? We got a couple of people joining in our chat here. Walt Murray, one of our favorite fans and podcasters. Walt. He did say that giving this movie too much credit is the most accurate thing you can say. Oh, you bastard. (laughs) Come on, Walt. They counted on you. Robert Leatherwood, he chimed in and said that they actually just showed this movie in Dallas at the Alamo Draft House. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Robert Leatherwood, did you go? Yeah, I don't know if you went. Mike chimed in again. He said, just a quick side note that arm strength is a misnomer when it comes to arm wrestling. Technique is far more important. Actually, that being true and accurate actually does add a little bit of credence to the film that Stallone being so much smaller than some of these big guys could be possible that he could win. That it's not about the size of the arm or the size of the man, that it is technique. Well, especially at the end of the movie, um, Bull is 100 pounds heavier than Lincoln. Yeah. Walt loves this movie, so he's making that clear. Yes, he made himself right with God. Walt, are you able to chime in? Do you want to come in on this live chat? Because we can invite you in. I can invite you in right now, and you can come in and chime in. You're a podcast extraordinary. If you want to tell us like five minutes or so, or join the chat as to why you love this movie, please. please. Well, he was supposed to come on for which one? Was that him? Oh, which one was that? So, Walt, if you can come in, let us know. Here's a cop question for you, Doug. So, we find out later that the charges were dropped... But if mm-hmm. so, if the Stallone character just drives through someone's house, even if the owner says, "Hey, I don't want to charge this guy," is there still a police matter involved? Like, if I basically if I go to your house, Doug, and I just drive mm-hmm. through your property and smash up your house, and you're like, "Ah, no, no, don't worry about it." Can I get off the hook and out of jail if you don't charge press charges? Yeah, if the victim doesn't want to pursue any charges, criminal or civil, then yeah, you walk. Okay. All right. That answers that question. I didn't know if there was something beyond the personal property issue. Not if it's uh, private. Public property is a different story. Right. Okay. All right. Did anyone notice who the wrestler was? It's one of the henchmen. Terry Funk. Yeah. Legend. Yeah, very much legend. He didn't have a speaking part. He actually only had one speaking part at the very end when he told him, told Lincoln that uh, that his he's not bo- done with you. Oh wait. You know his boss wants to see him in the presidential suite. That was his first speech. Hawk. What do you want? Mr. Cutler wants a word with you. He's waiting in a presidential suite. Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, then they, he said, so, I'm with you. Mr. Cutler is talking to you. I'm through talking. So Lincoln goes up to the presidential suite. Did we gloss? I know you want oh, to get to the end of this. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Basically, Lincoln gets visited by his son at the jail. The son says, I can't be with you. All right. It's okay. just. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? No, I mean, basically, Lincoln signed some form of paperwork that says he's giving up his rights to be Michael's father. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. From a legal standpoint, I guess. I'll make this brief, Hawk. I'm Tim Salinger, Mr. Cutler's personal secretary. As you can see, you've got a serious problem on your hands. More than ever now, you'll need money for attorneys, additional expenses. What we want is for you to leave the state. Don't come back. We won't prosecute. If you decide to contest the whole matter of legal custody, you won't have a prayer. We retain the finest law firms. That's it. What do you say? What's Mike say? Ask him yourself. Michael? That is Mike. You're not going to tell me to leave, too, are you? No. It's good. I was beginning to think I was unpopular. I don't know what to think. Like, I know you don't trust me. 
Don't blame me. I haven't earned that yet. I just feel like I have a home here. You know what? I mean, if, if I went with you, where would we go? Where would we end up? Together is all I can guarantee. You say this now, and then you leave. I'm just a father who messed up pretty bad, I know that. everything up as best I can and I want to give you what's inside of me I, I, I may not have much and, and, and I may never have a lot but I've got something inside I, I want to give to the only person that means something Yeah, so at that point, Cutler would have to make the paperwork disappear or drop the custody agreement. But why would he do that? As far as Lincoln knows, at this point, he's screwed. Now, if he were to take the kid, it would be legitimately kidnapping. So it almost seems like all the money he wins at the end of the movie, he's going to have to use for a lawyer to get his kid back. Right. (laughs) And enough money... To undo all the damage he did by signing away his rights. You know how much money he made? Let's just talk about it. So again, in today's dollars, he bet it on himself. Seven, well, he, seven, he sold he sold a rig for seven grand. Right. I appreciate your feelings about your truck. Best offer I can make. Cash though. Seven thousand. Take it or leave it. Not give me much of a choice. Okay. So and and he put all that money on himself going off at twenty to one odds. Yep. Which would net him 140 grand. What are the odds on Lincoln Hawks? Kelly, what are the odds on Hawks? Lincoln Hawks, twenty to one. Twenty to one, pal. Do a long shot. I'd like to bet seven thousand. That's what I call gambling. And what would that be in in, in two thousand nineteen dollars? So, yeah, so basically, today's money he made two hundred eighty grand off betting for himself, two hundred grand for winning the championship, and he got a five hundred thousand dollar rig. But Cutler offered him five hundred thousand in cash and a what, brand what, new what, rig what? for nothing. That's right. Down there in the parking lot, in front of the hotel. That's the finest rig that money can buy. If you want it, it's yours. Here's a check for $500,000. Take it and get the hell out of my life. I gave you custody of the boy. I signed papers. What more do you want? I'm trying to make things easy for you, Hawk. You don't need Michael as a meal ticket anymore. You're on a free ride. So take the truck. Take the money. Start a new life. Start your own family. Got a family. This is over. I'm coming to get him. You're going back on your word. Yeah. You signed over custody, and Michael will never go with you because you're a loser. You've always been a loser. Another thing that bothers me, because this is the speech up in the presidential suite, and I can only imagine how much 
people's heads hurt that haven't seen this movie that are listening to us because we're jumping all over the place. As always. <laughs> but up in the presidential suite, he makes that sweet offer. And Lincoln even says, why are, you, why are you offering this? I already signed the papers or whatever. I almost wondered if there wasn't something exactly legal about Lincoln signing those papers because Grandpa Cutler says, oh, it's just to make sure you go away and never yeah. bother us. Right. But he realized that he didn't have a great legal leg to stand on, or mm-hmm. maybe Lincoln could argue that he signed that paperwork under duress. Yeah, that could or be it. He the presence of a lawyer. He signed it in the presence of a secretary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, under duress, that might be a valid argument. But like you said, giving him the money and the rig to make him go away and disappear for good is like his insurance policy that Lincoln won't come back and make us stink about it ever again. We've already kind of talked about this big event. The crowd's crazy. There's 500 contestants. Michael finds the letters when he's going through his mom's panty drawer. Yep. And he steals a truck and then goes to the airport and buys a, it looks like Walt just joined us, and buys a plane ticket to Vegas. All yeah. things in 2019, how hard, how difficult would that be for him? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're right. I didn't mean to gloss over that. That's absolutely true. The 12-year-old drives a truck, gets a cab, gets an airplane, all this stuff. And apparently this only takes like uh, – so they're arm busting for how long? For 10, 12 hours? 500 people? I, I, this the time- Double elimination too, Ryan. Double elimination. <laughs> Hey, let's welcome our first guest on the uh, Sloan Podcast Network show, Walt Murray. Walt, Walt, nice to meet you face to face and welcome. Yeah, good to see you guys. What's up, Walt? Hey, not much, Doug. How you doing, buddy? Doing awesome, man. Doing real good. This yeah, Doug's a- the only person that can uh, help solve crimes in Atlanta all the way from Philadelphia. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so, Walt, why don't you just tell us a little bit of uh, who you are and to plug your show while you're at it. We love plugging each other, so go ahead and plug yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll talk about my show instead. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a part of the uh, the podcast, The Wilder Ride, and uh, we are covering the movies of Gene Wilder one minute at a time. Last season, we did Young Frankenstein, did 103 episodes, and... Now we are working our way through the classic uh, Blazing Saddles. Nice. Great movie. Uh, speaking of 2019, a movie that could not be made today. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it could not. <laughs> should go deep into that one. Actually, we talked about that some, Doug, when y'all were on our show, right? Yeah, me and my co-host Jay were uh, guests on The Wilder Ride a couple weeks ago. Episodes airing in June, I believe you said? Yeah, I think so. They're coming up here pretty quick. Yeah, I'm going to listen to that. I just haven't yet, Walt, because I want to rewatch the film. I've only seen it once or twice throughout my long, uh, long life. I do want to watch it again before I have it broken down minute by minute. Definitely a classic, and I definitely enjoy it. But it's it's not enough to listen to your show without rewatching the film. So it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I would definitely watch it before you uh, start listening. There, there's a lot there. It's a it's a kind of layered movie and. A lot of jokes you don't want to miss. And right. Thanks for pulling me in. Yeah, so the reason why Walt just literally just me too on the show here is uh, because he has a... Uh, a sorry. <laughs> All this plugging and me tooing. So. Yeah, really. So he, he just inserted himself without his, without permission. No, I'm just joking. We invited him in. Yeah. So, uh, Walt, uh, why don't you tell us why you love Over the Top? A couple reasons, and I sure don't have the level of knowledge of it that y'all do, but it, it, to me, has just always been a really fun movie. 
you know, like with a lot of Stallone movies, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It has that great Stallone formula of kind of the underdog, the guy who's really under the pile of life, and uh, he finds a way through whatever medium to come out on top. And it's it's just a fun, fun Stallone movie. It's got some great lines in it. Shows Stallone being Stallone at his best. Okay. Well, or, couldn't agree more, Walt. <laughs> oh, Doug, stop. <laughs> and, you know, it's not one of those that you're going to look back and go, hey, you know, this and Gone with the Wind and, you know, the other classics. But it, <laughs> no, it, it, we have a whole channel dedicated to Stallone and his films. And I know it seems like maybe that's just the, the, the type of film Stallone has, but we have a lot of dumpster fires that we've reviewed in <laughs> Stallone's career. But, but I love him, and I love him in this film in many ways. Like, I love Sly, and I love his how he looks, and there's a lot that he does that's really good. And I think, again, he's just he's beholden to a really cruddy script that he had a hand in. And I, I know that he's able to do so much more. I don't know why they don't just take an extra week or two to fine tune things. I don't know what the rush is. I don't know. Do y'all find that happens with a lot of his kind of side projects? Like I kind of felt like that's done with Cobra, even though I love that movie. doesn't seem like they really tuned it up like they needed to before they started production. It's the stuff that he has his creative hand in because he's, he was so notoriously tough to work with. And hard to sway that he wanted things done his way and and he wouldn't listen to reason when there were probably pretty good filmmakers around him that could kind of guide him in the, the right direction if he would let them. Yeah, Robert Thomas actually said here in our chat, he said he thinks that this might have been a movie that Stallone Ghost directed. Mm-hmm. The movie? No, a movie. <laughs> a movie. Yeah. The career full of movies? Well, yeah, we, and exactly. we've said this. We've said this before on our show that – Stallone seems to pick directors if it's not himself. Someone he can kind of, you know, he's Stallone. Look, he's sly. When he walks in the room, it's like we talked about this that he's Sylvester Stallone. Everyone turns to look at him. I can only Mm -hmm. imagine what it's like to be on a set with this guy who's made Rambo and Rocky, and you're just some basically foreign director almost. It's like, I'll take care of this. Well, well, that's the thing, Ryan. I think it was he was grabbing guys that either didn't have the ego or didn't have the reputation or cared about their reputation enough to not just take the money and be like, you know what, this will help me get my next gig. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've always said, I wish like Tarantino would grab him for something or David Fincher or mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese, someone that he might not challenge somebody that would challenge him. And that's why like one of his best movies, Copland is, is from a comp though an early in his career director, James Mangold. Yeah, that's right. So here's a very good director, but we didn't know how good he was going to be later in his career. But somebody that probably challenged him, somebody that you know said, hey, let's do this scene again. Let's Why don't you try this? I don't want to get into a whole discussion, but this could be a whole other episode unto itself. But I kind of feel like we saw that with Creed and Creed 2, with Ryan Coogler and the gentleman whose name escapes me that uh, directed Stephen Creed Cable II. Jr. Cable. Yeah, those were both young, you know, energetic, really creative filmmakers that I think did hold... Stallone to a certain standard and and I think the way those movies turned out are a direct result of the strong directors that were behind those projects. Exactly. This director did not challenge Sly whatsoever. And you know what? He got paid twenty four million in today's dollars. I don't know if you caught that, Walt. There's twenty four million dollars. This budget was only in today's budget would have cost was it uh, fifty million 50, and half of it went to his paycheck. Yeah. Golan was a producer and I think Doug alluded to this at the beginning is, you know, as a producer, Golan was probably willing to do whatever he needed to do to get Stallone to sign on to a project 
that he didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the money talked. That's what it really came down to. So do you think that Stallone didn't put his heart into this because why would he? it was a paycheck? Does he really believe this project? Does he really believe in it? Like, come on. It's hard like, to not put your heart into something that you're getting paid $12 million yeah. for. <laughs> Well, I put my heart into a podcast. I don't get paid anything for. I think I'm actually <laughs> at a loss. So that, that makes four of us. Yeah. <laughs> I would for stop or my mom will shoot. The least he could have done is shown up for this. <laughs> I honestly believe he put he put a legitimate failed effort, mind you, into stop or my, my mom will shoot. I think he was trying to be funny. I think he was actually trying to be funny. With this, mm-hmm. he just played the one key crazy. I, I turn crazy eyes and snarl when I'm arm wrestling, and I'm really sheep and meekish when I'm not arm wrestling. It's mm-hmm. it's a really a two tone performance. Craig was talking about Mike stealing the Jeep, right, Craig, and going to the airport and having the money to buy a one way ticket to Vegas, right. <laughs> Apparently, he uh, he finds his way all over the airport, including the baggage claim. I give this kid uh, credit. As, as annoying as he is and as a crybaby that he is, I, my, my kid can't even find matching socks and he's 12 years old. This kid actually traveled across the country on his own. That's pretty good. He hides on the cart that all the luggage is on. People manually take all that luggage off and put it onto the belt. But yeah. he comes with that belt. So somebody he had to interact with somebody at that point. In a post 9-11 world, there's there's no way a kid, adult, anybody is finding their way inside a, a luggage compartment. No. No. When he came out of the luggage, was he hiding in the plane? Is that what it was? I don't think he was hiding in a plane, but he when he landed, he was from there was the yeah, Cutler's bodyguards were waiting for him at the airport when he landed. So that's when he he hid amongst the luggage that was coming off the plane. I, I don't know. I, I'm getting a headache right now. There's <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> Walt, well, what, what do you think about post 9-11 world at the airport? Oh, my luggage makes it on the plane, much less getting a person on. But there's no way a kid could have pulled that one. Now, a lot of us kind of thought through how to do stuff like that. No, there, there's no there's no way. Why are they slapping each other in the face? <laughs> <laughs> to psych each other up. <laughs> I would be like, ouch, that hurts. <laughs> Why are you doing that? You had a, a Mandela effect moment earlier on, and I kind of had one here. I thought, I don't know what movie this is in, though. There's a movie where two guys trying to psych each other up spit in each other's mouths Oh, <laughs> after slapping the shit out of one another. I, I, think, I, I think you're watching the wrong videos online. <laughs> yeah, that, that may be some kind of Filipino uh, <laughs> I don't know what that is. I swear to God, I remember that from something, and I can't think of what. Well, you know, there had to be something in this that was kind of a Stallone trademark move or line or whatever. So it kind of makes sense that they would come up with something like that, right? I'm going to look it up. Well, I mean, you know, a a trademark out of the realm of possibility Stallone move is Grizzly drinking motor oil. Yeah, so this guy before an arm wrestling match drank castor oil, and he says that I'm going to go through you like gas through a funnel. I'm going through you like gas through a funnel. So not only was he not drinking gasoline, he was drinking motor oil. Uh, does anyone want to explain how motor oil might help your arm wrestling prowess? Or? <laughs> it would kill you. <laughs> right. Yeah, it gives you an out. <laughs> oh. And then he, then, and then we see like some sort of comedic effect. He's taking Alka Seltzer to, uh, you know, for his upset tummy. 
He would be puking so bad. It's. I mean, he would have been dead. Uh, would you not die drinking oil like that? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about the promos that they had? They have these little interviews, like documentary style, before the fights. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. I thought it was a little bit of a highlight as well. It almost seemed real-ish that the, the actors playing these muscle-roided-out guys were talking kind of calmly and stuff, almost showing that their bravado at the table is a show and that yeah. they're, not, they're not really like that outside of the uh, competition. John Grizzly, three-time winner from the World Arm Wrestling Association. Ah! When I get to the table, that person, I don't care who they are, they're my mortal enemy. I hate them. Ah! I'm not so enthused about people coming up and patting me on the back saying you're the best. I don't need people to do that to me. If I win, it's just because I wanted to be the best one time in my life. My whole body is an engine. This is a fire plug, and I'm going to light him up. should be able to blow them away real easy. There's a lot more technique involved, and in in, you can't beat experience. Ah! Ladies and gentlemen. Get me off, get me! And the newcomer from the truckers' division, Lincoln Hawk, Lincoln Hawk, over here! Tell you the truth, the truck is uh, the, the most important thing for me. I, I don't really, it doesn't matter if I uh, become a champion or anything. That's, that's not the most important. I. I need this truck. Lincoln Hawk from the Truckers Division. And finally, five-time arm wrestling world champion, yeah. Bo Hurley. Bo Hurley. I drive truck, break arms, and arm wrestle. It's what I love to do. It's what I do best. Being number one is everything. There is no second place. Second sucks. You sort of regret that they didn't utilize Bull more or better and that they should have somehow found a way to have maybe even Bull working for Cutler as a way to to get Bull even more involved in the story because that guy was so darn charismatic. Mm. Great look, great, great delivery, just everything about that Bull character except when he was making the little boy uncomfortable, was just rock solid. Yeah. He wanted to take the bull by the horns. <laughs> you and your dad jokes. <laughs> and, of course, Walt is laughing. Thanks, Walt. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I should not be laughing at that. You're a dad joker, joker yourself. Oh, I, I'm terrible. Mike uh, chimed in again. Mike uh, Valverde, thanks, brother. He's listening to the whole show. He says it was really cool about those promo cuts. He said it gave some quick insight to the characters. Yeah. It sh- it kind of like humanized the characters and showed like because in each of their interviews, they're really subdued and kind of soft spoken, including Lincoln Hawk. Like you said, Ryan, it shows that them getting psyched up on stage is like just them getting psyched up for their their moment of performance. That they're really just normal guys. Right. No, but see, they're not normal guys because at least three of them reference wanting to break people's arms. And normal people don't think like that. Fair enough. (laughs) They're normal-ish. 
<laughs> All right. Well, the underused Terry Funk. Here's the one of the greatest hardcore wrestlers ever. And they had one little scuffle, you know, at the patio. He smashes uh, Terry Funk through the, through the well, fake glass. Through the door in the presidential mm-hmm. suite, and Funk does the job. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Like here, they had one of the probably the greatest hardcore wrestler ever in history. Why Get did the they not have a freaking throwing around the presidential suite fight in today's movies? They would have done that. In today's movies, they would have done that. Do you think it would have ended with him taking a dive off the presidential suite? That'd be an awesome. And maybe landing on Cutler Cutler's truck that he was going to try and bribe him with. Maybe, maybe right through the windshield. <laughs> I hate to do this, but yeah. I'm going to have to slide out. We're about to have a huge storm here. So, oh, really? What kind of storm? Gonna, they're saying uh, a shit storm. Storms. Yeah, we've got that going too. <laughs> we just went and, through that. <laughs> we might get some tornadoes tonight. So oh wow! Fun, but well, yeah. Stay, so I got, stay, stay. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, All well, right, well, hope to do it again. And, Walt, good job. Uh, the Wilder Ride. Check out Walt, and uh, hopefully you don't get sucked away by a tornado. If you do, it was nice meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if not, I've got two years of good work behind me. So. There you go. Your legacy will live on. I really hope you don't die tonight. I really hope you don't die tonight. This is a... <laughs> You're going to feel terrible, and I'm going to laugh on the way up. <laughs> hey, thanks, guys. See you all later. All right, cheers, Walt. Bye. All right, we're going to close the show up, guys. Why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, say who you are and where you're from for our listeners. We didn't do it at the beginning, so oh, well. We're not going to talk about the end of the match? Oh, he won. <laughs> oh, my God. He he does win. <laughs> he takes the kid. Okay, so he wins. He beats Bull. Bull doesn't get the double, double, double elimination credit. Maybe one of our listeners could tell us why that is. I think it's just because it's the final fight. The ending just blows my mind how Cutler just watches – Hawk and the kid celebrate and then just decides then and there that he's going to let Lincoln have the kid. And that's well, it. I think he's just, I know it's cliche, but it's the ending of the film. He's just showing, oh, look, the kid really is happy with him. Mm, yeah. I, it, but that, but there's, but there's no scene that shows the conversation. It's just the next day, uh, Lincoln and the kid are walking away together. That's right. He's, that's it's, it. It's the Hawk and Son or Son and Hawk rig company now. And Why don't we just start our own trucking company? You know, we could call it Sun and Hawk. Sun and Hawk? Yeah, I like it. Not too bad. Well, how do you think Hawk and Sun sounds? Hawk and Sun? What do you think of that? Hawk and Sun. Hawk and Sun. Hey, uh, I think it just might work. Hey, can I drive later, Dad? You're an equal partner, right? Lincoln right. puts the hawk from his old rig onto the new rig, and yep. the kid says, mm-hmm. "Can I drive this thing?" And he's like, "Well, aren't you partner? You know." Uh... The end. <laughs> Doug, you really like this film? I come on, seriously. I enjoyed watching it for this. It has problems, and like I said, if I was watching it in preparation now for the first time in twenty years or the first time ever, I would have hated it. I've seen it probably a couple of dozen times in the. 30 years i would rather watch stopper my mom will shoot <laughs> really i think so i th- for me i'm a bit of an empath i don't know if i told you that i'm like i see myself in films if that makes sense so i have a hard time as a father separating what this dad has done to this kid and how he's trying to bring this kid back to his life he never explains his actions i don't trust lincoln at the as far as i know uh, michael's dead 
He, you know, he, he, he took the kid and killed him. You know, like we don't know what his history is. Maybe he was violent. Maybe he did have a dangerous past. I know that the grandpa let him go, but it's never explained what he did. Did he just did he fool around on his wife on the road? This is such a surface level movie that you're not intended to look that deep into it. Yeah. Just I, I enjoyed it for what it is, and I still, all these years later, I still like it. It's 90 minutes of brainless entertainment. Yeah. I was so happy to see the length. When I opened up the video, I was like, oh, good, 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, not like that two-hour abortion that Driven was. <laughs> yes, Driven was two hours. <laughs> For our listeners who have plowed through this, and uh, I know I've sounded hard on it. I think what it is, Doug and uh, Craig, is that I had better hopes I because everyone was swearing by this film and I haven't well, seen it in 30 years and everyone was like voted for like three to one votes to sing one and people will say this is great I love this film and I was like I left like really this is this is a, a bad TV movie of the week and I was well, disappointed that's... I guess I was legitimately disappointed I was expecting better I guess lesson learned Ryan is when we try to avoid a dumpster fire we're gonna end up with a dumpster fire I think mm-hmm. so so <laughs> I want to thank all of our listeners. So no matter no matter what we do, dumpster fires are in our future. Well, we've Cliff- done some some of the worst ones, so yeah. we got some, we got some good movies ahead of us, I believe. Cliffhanger, like let's be honest, I almost don't want to put a vote out because I, I hate our audience. They- <laughs> <laughs> I now you know how I feel after like our first four episodes where I couldn't get my movie picked at all. <laughs> So, Cliffhanger, I still want people to vote because it's good interaction for our shows. It puts our show out there. I, I, I would like to put Cliffhanger up against something, but I'm trying to think of what, what would be an equal an equal fight with it. Get Carter? Probably Cobra. No. Cobra would win, hands down? And I think Get Carter would, too. Get Carter is another film that the fan base loves. Really? Really? Daylight. Hmm. Well, uh, I would say daylight versus. All right, we'll we'll talk about it offline. If any of our listeners give us some suggestions, what would be an even match against Cliffhanger? I'd be interested to hear what people have to say about that. All right, uh, I'm Ryan from the uh, Going the Distance, the Rocky Series podcast. You can catch me on uh, obviously if you listen to it on this feed or this site. That's where we are. Keep listening to our yeah. sh- show and liking us on Facebook and Twitter and iTunes if you don't mind. No, Ryan, I was going to say that you always promote your Going the Distance podcast, but I think the listeners really need to know about your your other podcast. The worst of the best. best. The worst of the best. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it's, our little, it's our little podcast that it's it's small and little compared to the audience that this one has. So, yeah, I, I don't know why I keep forgetting to plug our other one. Um, I, I do it on our feed just to remind listeners that, yeah, Ruben and I have a second podcast called The Worst of the Best. Variety of topics. They're short episodes, easy to binge, and we just talk about a variety of things. We pick really just every best list there is. There's a, there is a stinker in every list, and we basically pick the worst of uh, of that uh, list from music, movies, food, you name it. Your Motley Crew one was great. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. I like the uh, your last one, the lead singer replacements. That was probably my favorite worst of the best episode oh, nice. so far. Thanks, guys. I liked Thanks. it. So you're two, you're two listeners. Thanks, guys. <laughs> and my mom. So, all right. Appreciate it. Well, I'm Doug from uh, Rocky Minute. We uh, cover the Rocky movies one minute of movie time at a time. So uh, we finished two seasons, 118 episodes of season one, 117 episodes of season two. And we're taking a well-deserved break before we go head first into season three. So coming soon. Nice. Can't wait. When are we getting that Creed Part 2, Craig? Um, you want to edit it for me? <laughs> <laughs> no.
I gotta edit this thing. It's coming. Actually, Creed, uh, the, the Slycast Creed Super Special Part 2 episode is going to be my discussion with Mike Kunda, who is always an easy, easy interview to, to edit. And also the discussion me and you had, Ryan, which I think um, in terms of editing, I think those are going to be really easy to put together. I just got to bump them up together. I got a submission from, uh, from Matt, our buddy Matt from uh, Rambo Mania, about some backstory for uh, Ludmilla. Yeah, I would say um, in the next couple of weeks we'll get that, and then uh, Slycast will deliver our Judge Dread episode as well, and then uh, we're going to be ready to uh, deliver more uh, exciting. <laughs> just kind of. Are you laughing at the dog? What's that? I'm just laughing at the dog, just oh. kind of chilling there next to you. Oh, that's my Frida. I thought you were laughing at his. This is like the fifth episode. Of, I gotta go back. It's like the fifth episode in a row where he's mentioned the Judge Dread episode. <laughs> Ryan, we recorded the Judge Dredd episode, like, I, I want to say it was, like, right after Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's awesome. Hollywood's going to do a remake of the remake by the time it gets out. You know what? And Ryan and Doug, as editors, I mean, I don't know how what your edit, editing schedule is for the, the Rocky Minute, Doug. So you might Front be in a similar boat, but, like, I tend to like to edit things as close to when I recorded them as possible so I can remember, mm-hmm. you know, what might have been going through my head. It's just so scary to to go to footage you have or recordings you have from months ago, and then you just, well, I got to dive in now and figure this out. <laughs> yeah, those are always daunting because no. you but don't remember what you – the, the Judge Dredd discussion is a lot of fun, but also uh, the, the Creed 2 discussion with Mike and uh, Ryan, it's really good as well. And I think the response to the, the first Creed Super Special, Creed 2 Super Special, was, was really positive, and I was good. glad we were able finally to share that. Yeah, Just, a lot of fun I with think that. our conversation was, was really solid. It was good. And yeah, you guys did great. As a listener, I, I want to say again, I say it every time, but I listen to your guys' shows. I'm a fan of you guys. So it's always cool to do this show together with you because I'm also a fan of your guys' show. So thanks for all the work you guys do. Oh, th- and thank you, Ryan, for really holding it down here, you know, and doing all the, the heavy lifting. I know that Driven episode, there was a lot of audio drop-ins that you did that really – ended up enhancing the episode and uh i I know it wasn't fun for you and it it, it took valuable time away from your family and also probably took a little bit of your sanity (laughs) driven was a horrible movie but it was a fun discussion over the top in the end it disappointed me i was hoping for a better film better luck next time yeah all right guys thanks for uh watching and listening everyone have a good night all right take care so long